Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. Welcome to the ungodly hour of 6.16 a.m. Central Daylight Time on the 1st of September, 2020. This is episode 279 of Bitcoin and one of my guys from uh, Bitblock Boom got hosed down like a dog in the streets by Southwest Airlines. Yes, Southwest Airlines has done jacked with probably the wrong Bitcoiner. Well, I don't know. I mean, honestly speaking, Southwest Airlines is a freaking behemoth and they're probably going to be the only airline to actually survive all this bullshit. Um... So uh, I guess they're probably not going to be hurting any more than they already are. But still, dude, this is this has become an absolute ridiculous circus all over the world with this kind of crap. Okay, so what am I talking about? Surfer Jim, Surfer Jim W. <clears throat> That's who I'm talking about. I think it's going to be a Surfer Jim dot is going to be the moniker on that Twitter account. Uh, let's just start this one out. Yesterday, I just get this. I, I just see this one tweet come across my feed. It says, they are making everyone get off the plane. I'm freaking out. I'm like, so, I mean, I literally have to ask the dude why. And it turns out that, uh, well, let's just go through this one. He, he's got another one about, I guess it's about three hours later. It says, unbelievable, I was canceled. Banned from Southwest Airlines, thrown out of the airport and threatened by two armed thugs. With trespassing, the nightmare continues. I'm like, okay. So he finally did answer me, but Surfer Jim did not put together like um, a single, like he put together a couple of single threads, but not like a full-blown thread that contained everything. You know, and and who would, when you're getting thrown off a plane in the fashion that we're about to describe, you're not going to be, have the presence of mind to construct a full-scale running, you know, thread. So it's disjointed. So let's go through the one thread that he did put together. And this is, you know, again, this is yesterday at about, I guess it was about 12.30 my time. He says, Southwest Airlines dystopia nightmare update. They canceled my flight and banned me. Could care less about that. I'll never use these idiots again. Now have to go to DFW airport and book something else, which is 40 minutes away. Get to do the fun TSA gymnastics again. Can't wait. For those of you who don't know, Southwest Airlines in the Texas region does not fly into Dallas-Fort Worth, which is the main massive international big bad boy airport that services the Dallas-Fort Worth area. No, 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 no. They fly into a place called Love Field, which is exactly 40 minutes, well, depending on the drive, anywhere between 30 minutes and an hour and a half away. So it's a completely different airport. Yeah, that makes it even worse when something like this happens on Southwest. So he goes on, he says, uh, they are not sure if they'll give me a refund. Told me their reason I was threatened, that their reasoning was that I was threatening them. I did not. I asked if they were going to escalate to violence. If I didn't voluntarily deplane, they walked away and announced everyone off. I felt violence coming, so got out. Hung around the terminal for a while, but couldn't rebook because they blacklisted me in their computer. That was quick. Damn, dude. Got escorted outside by two armed thugs who wasted taxpayer money watching me to make sure that I left the entire airport, which is a massive thing, by the way. Probably didn't help that. Well, I'm not going to read that one. But he finally says, my new friend, and he was at Bitblock Boom. This is where this is all coming out from. My new friend Eric saw my post and immediately offered to get me. So did uh, Hodling Cucumber. Bitcoiners are solid people. May have to enjoy another day in Dallas before I can get home. But it could have been way worse. 
this is the final Karen who laid down the law, and he's got a picture of this woman. I love this one because it's the final Karen. That's got to be a meme, the final Karen. If any of you guys out there are meme makers, dude, start doing the final Karen. Anyway, he ends this one by saying, brainwashed sheeple downtrodden by the superstition of authority. This country is fucked until Bitcoin is the money. As long as the Fed keeps going burr, the slave masters will continue to enslave. And he's right. So the piece that we're missing here is what's exactly happened. So he's sitting on the plane on the tarmac, just chilling out, minding his own business. And everybody's wearing masks because everybody is sheeple. So he gets a pack of, I don't know, nuts or something like that. And, uh, and the rules in Texas right now are that, um, that you can not wear a mask as long as you're sitting down and eating and, or drinking something. So he's sitting down, he's eating, he doesn't have his mask on, and they come and get his ass and tell him to put his mask on. He doesn't. He's like, dude, I'm eating. He, he doesn't do it. And then they, you know, this goes back and forth, I would imagine, for probably quite a while. And then they say, you know what? We're canceling the flight. And they made everybody get off because this dude was eating some nuts on a plane. Now it gets slightly worse because written in Southwest Airlines own rules about this thing is that you, as long as you're sitting down and you're eating or drinking something, you don't have to have a mask on. So the Southwest Airlines, the Karens on board that flight violated the corporation's rules for passengers to completely fuck everybody on that plane because one guy was following the rules. At this point, I don't know why anybody would follow rules. I mean, don't go hurt anybody. You know, follow those rules. The, the rules that we know are, are, you know, make sense. But this, man, this is complete. This is just Karenville is expanding its borders and annexing like everything like a cancer. This is ridiculous. I don't know what, what the hell happened over the world aside from COVID that, I mean, cause it's not COVID didn't cause this COVID did not cause <clears throat> all these people to lose their damn minds. This was going to happen no matter what we could have had another nine 11. We could have had, I don't know, a major stock market crash that really did affect every single person in the world that can happen. And if that had happened instead of COVID, I guarantee you in some way, shape, fashion, or form, the same kind of attitude was going to come out because people have been so beat up mentally. And it's just going to get worse. It's not, I don't think it's going to get better anytime soon. I think it's just going to get worse. So, you know, be prepared to, I, I don't know what to prepare for, except that be prepared to put up with a whole bunch of Karens coming at you. So anyway, that's going to do it for uh, a little bit of, the community news here. So my heart goes out to this guy for having to endure that shit. And, uh, Oh, by the way, in the fray of getting everybody off the plane, he escaped, uh, the gate area by simply not going where everybody was. That's actually a pretty good point. Everybody's deplaning off of the, off of the, uh, what do they call that thing? You know, the tunnel that goes to the plane, uh, skyway. And the, he immediately took like a right hand turn, off of the uh off of the skyway went through this damn seating area where everybody else was going straight all the way out into the concourse he's like nope fuck it and did a 90 degree right out the door and just walked away and so i guess they finally found him and i'm like could you imagine all the people in the security booth going where is he where is he where's that nut eating bastard the god ugh talk about getting wrecked well, we do actually have a way to get wrecked on the go. BitMEX launches mobile trading app in 140 countries. Sell, sell, sell. <laughs> Zach Vol is writing one of these bullet point uh, news stories for CoinDesk sometime. When was it? It was announced. It's got to be, yeah, today because it, it was announced early this morning. So he says... Leading cryptocurrency derivatives exchange BitMEX has launched a mobile trading app in 140 countries, the exchange told Coindesk. Announced Tuesday morning, the product launch comes two weeks TM, after BitMEX's first ever identity verification requirement was announced earlier in August. 
Built completely in-house for your wreckage needs, the mobile trading app product closely matches the desktop experiences and is already up and running. However, analytics shows some accounts are already trading exclusively on the app, according to Ben Radcliffe, commercial director of the exchange's parent organization, 100X Group. The legendary Trollbox chat widget is not included in the current version of the mobile app. However, according to Radcliffe, he assured Coindesk that its inclusion is planned for future updates. Oh, the troll box. BitMEX is the largest Bitcoin derivatives, uh, derivatives exchange by open interest, according to SKU, with $1.01 billion in open contracts last check. <clears throat> so if you wanted to be walking around New York City, you know, with your Starbucks in one hand and your Get Wrecked tool in the other hand, so that you can walk across the street as your 150x leverage eats up, you know, your third mortgage that you took out on your house because blockchain. So you can get hit by a bus. I mean, dude, it's it's all there. They've got it for you all there, buddy. But sadly, we must continue on with other news. Equinor partners with Bitcoin Mining Company. This was released by Arcane Research. August the 28th, I do not see a buy, hold on, uh, see, make sure to see, see a byline. No, there's not. It's just from a place called Arcane Research. It goes, uh, it starts here. Equinor, one of the largest energy companies in the world, has partnered with the Chi or Chinese, the startup Crusoe Energy Solutions to significantly reduce flaring from operations through, guess what? Bitcoin mining. Arcane Research has received screenshots from Equinor's intranet saying that the company will exploit natural gas currently being flared as a byproduct when extracting oil from the oil field, well, the Bakken oil field in the United States. Instead of flaring the gas, it will be used to uh, power electrical generators uh, for Bitcoin mining. Sure, technology, such technology is known in the market and has earlier been pushed by companies of Upstream Data Incorporated. Now, hold on. I'm going to pause here before I read the rest of this. Understand, this seems to be a, a translation to English from some other language. It's not the best, um, but I'm, I'll muddle through it because this is important shit. <clears throat> As can be read in the intranet blog post, the strategic partnership with Crusoe is the result of a series of improvements uh, innovations in the United States onshore, focusing on emissions reduction while remaining cost efficient. According to Lionel Ribeiro, project leader in GLU, it's a natural partnership that provides great solutions for both sides. Quote, mining cryptocurrency requires a lot of, a lot of electricity to power computers while a valuable commodity is wasted and carbon emissions are created when we flare. By connecting these inverse pairs, or sorry, when, by connecting these inverse panes, we can satisfy both needs with no cost to market expense. Not unless you're scrubbing the CO2 out of the generator, pal. It doesn't work that way, but I'll let it go. The electricity created operates both the intensive computing and telecommunication modules that mine the cryptocurrency Bitcoin, as well as the necessary cooling systems to prevent these supercomputers from overheating. Supercomputers. Hey, they're trying. Riberio continues, quote, it is a disruptive and scalable solution and shrinks the gap between the source of energy production and the final energy consumption while reducing our carbon footprint. No, it doesn't. Sorry, it just doesn't. I'll get to that here in a sec. Digital flare mitigation offers a win-win alternative for producers and investors alike. Digital flare mitigation is relatively new and rapidly growing in shale, oil, and gas, with Equinor pioneering the technology in their Bakken operations. That's the Bakken oil fields. It's spelled B-A-K-K-E-N. You can go look at that for yourself. I believe it's South Dakota. According to the United States <clears throat> manager in Equinor, Hans Jakob Hege, wow. Equinor must be bold in their approach to employing new technologies to improve business efficiency. How, or Sorry, innovation remains a fundamental strategic pillar in achieving our client roadmap, we must be bold in our approach to employing new technologies to improve business efficiency. You better put a tie on the suit speak. And then they give a couple of screenshots. And there's a couple of interesting things here. This was, it just says, uh, let's see. Uh, uh, let's see. I got upstream data. As can be read in the intranet blog post. So they got this from the intranet. 
I'm like, what did somebody take screenshots and send it to you? I mean, it's like, did they want the information out? I mean, is, was this a purposeful leak? I, you know, it just, that seems kind of a little weird to me. So I hope somebody doesn't get in trouble for this, but it sure as shit ain't going to be me. And the second thing is it, in all honesty, it doesn't really reduce the carbon footprint. When you burn methane, you get a couple of products, CO2, water vapor, and heat. That's what you get from the complete combustion of any hydrocarbon. Okay. So just when you burn it through a generator, it's not like all of a sudden the CO2 goes away. Whether I flare it from a flare stack or I run it through a Jenny, I'm still going to get CO2 and water vapor. Okay. So that's not offsetting the carbon footprint. However, what it is doing is it's converting methane into CO2. So you get, I, some chemists will say a 15 to one, others say a five to one reduction in greenhouse gases because methane, free methane floating around in the atmosphere is five to 15 times worse as a greenhouse gas than carbon dioxide. So that's the way that that thing should have read. It doesn't really reduce the carbon footprint at all. So we always have to be careful with that. First Swiss health insurance provider adds Bitcoin payments. Andrew Yang writing it for btctimes.com sometime yesterday says health insurance company, a two pre health insurance announced on Monday that its customer will now customers will now be able to make payments using Bitcoin or God forbid ether. According to the firm, users can set up the new payment method on their dashboard and start making cryptocurrency payments at no additional cost other than minor fees. Uh, established in 1910, at Tupri is the first with health insurance provider to offer cryptocurrency payments to over 200,000 customers. In 2019, the firm recorded over 800 million Swiss francs, approximately $888 million USD in revenue, commenting on the launch. At Tupri's head of marketing and sales, Caroline Melendez, spoke to the growing importance of cryptocurrencies in the payment sector. Quote, as a digital pioneer in the healthcare sector, we anticipate social trends and provide insurance solutions with long-term perspectives, blockchain technology, and therefore also these cryptocurrencies are becoming noticeably more and more important. In line with this, we want to provide our policyholders with the ne- necessary structures, end quote. A two pre offers the new payment method in collaboration with the cryptocurrency and financial service firm Bitcoin Suisse. Functioning as a merchant processor, Bitcoin Suisse immediately converts customer payments from Bitcoin into Swiss francs and then transmits them to a two pre. This allows the health insurance provider to minimize its exposure to Bitcoin's price volatility. Quote, we are pleased about the partnership with a two pre and guarantee secure and uncomplicated payment options with cryptocurrencies stated Armin Schmind, head of crypto payments at Bitcoin Suisse. Atupri isn't Bitcoin Suisse's first partner. Most recently, the company cooperated with the municipality of Zermatt, enabling the region's residents to use Bitcoins as a means of payment for local taxes. So here we go. Adoption is on the horizon. You will see more and more of this. However, there's something of note in there. The fact that they take the payment in Bitcoin or Ether and immediately convert it into their uh, local uh, fiat bullshit currency means that this whole notion, the very notion that on the very short term that the supply of Bitcoin is going to be completely dried up is nonsense. People are going to start using it for payments. And that would probably even out, I mean, if more and more people continue to convert into their own bullshit fiat currencies, then we're probably going to see some sideways action on price. I always think it's going to go up and to the right, but it's probably not going to be parabolic. But I don't know. I'm not a trader. I don't sit in front of freaking trading view with the full pro features enabled and get my ass wrecked. So what do I know? Uh, Let's see here. Oh, yes. More Swiss stuff. First centrally cleared short Bitcoin ETP. Launched on Deutsche Borsch Xterra. This is Sharia Malwa writing for btctimes.com. Sometime this morning, 
A new Bitcoin-focused exchange-traded product will now allow accredited investors to speculate on negative Bitcoin price movements, according to a press release on Monday. Probably not smart. Switzerland's 21 shares, the issuer of over 11 cryptocurrency ETPs, announced its new short Bitcoin ETP, or the SBTC, the ticker is 21XS for whatever reason, will be available to trade on Deutsche Borsche Xterra starting today, September the 1st. With its listing, SBTC becomes the world's first centrally cleared short Bitcoin product that is admitted to Deutsche Borsche Xterra's regulated market. The ETP reduces counterparty risk, the possibility that the other party may not honor the trade. <coughs> Excuse me, pardon me, it's really early in the morning. For both institutional and retail investors, when trading with their uh, conventional brokers, interested accredited parties can buy and sell, sell, sell the sell. ETP on the same day without pertinent wait times to, or cool-off periods between two trades. This allows investors to protect themselves and hedge exposure to Bitcoin's daily price movements while remaining invested in the asset in the long term. Quote, Investors are now in a position to implement any Bitcoin strategy in a safe, regulated, and conventional manner using a product that allows them to participate in the downwards movement of Bitcoin. Probably not smart, explained Haney Roshwan, the CEO of 21Shares. 21Shares said direct access to investing in crypto assets is still facilitated through unregulated crypto exchanges, which are frequently in the news due to various lack of internal controls and financial structures, lacking integrity, which resulted in higher spreads, increased counterparty risk, and large price premiums. GBTC, I'm looking at you, buddy. But the launch did not come easy. Laurent Casis, managing director of 21 Shares, said the product came after, quote, a lot of lobbying with regulators, in quote, in Europe to legally approve, define, and regulate the SBTC product. Cassis added, quote, the one missing trading product was to deliver a fully transparent financial in instrument to capitalize on negative price movements within a complete regulated framework. All 21 shares crypto ETPs, including the new SBTC, can be purchased via any broker or a bank with access to the Bourse Frankfurt. So there you go. There he is. Short products, oh, I don't know. It's like just having a product where I can just long or just short. I don't know. I'm like, it just seems easier to say, well, just let me buy a whole raft of products all in the same. I don't know. Man. It's just, it's, some of this stuff is just too weird, but <clears throat> like, you know, we always have to deal with weirdness in the, especially considering we live in DeFi land. DeFi lender Ave hits $300 million in flash loans. Two months ago, lending protocol Ave had issued only 14 million in flash loans total. They did that amount in a single transaction this weekend. Alexander Barron's writing for Decrypt.co, August the 31st. We'll find out what he has to say. New financial tools like Flash Loans have pushed Ave, the biggest name in DeFi right now, to new heights. I thought that was yams. Whatever, Ave has issued more than 300 million in Flash Loans since its inception, but at the beginning of July, that figure was just 14. According to data collected from Ave Watch, a decent chunk of that $300 million is from an August 29 flash loan worth $14 million in DAI, the largest ever transaction on the platform. The explosion in flash loans on Ave shows the huge appetite for novel financial products and the liquidity being provided through DeFi protocols. Ave started life as ETHLEND in 2017 and rebranded to Ave in January 2020. It offers crypto lending and borrowing capabilities and introduced flash loans, loans that are only issued for the duration of a single Ethereum block, about 15 seconds. Oh, jeez. Sell, sell, sell. Oh, man, this just, I don't get it. Loans are only issued if the borrower can repay the borrowed amount within one block. Otherwise, the issuing transaction from Aave will fail. Flash loans are used by traders in scripted Ethereum arbitrage transactions where profits are won by purchasing and then immediately selling an asset to a different buyer at a higher price. Arbitrage trades are what keep prices on automated market makers like Uniswap and Balancer in line with market prices. Quote, the biggest consumer of flash loans is DeFi Saver, allowing users to change borrowed collateral using flash loans instead of paying back and taking out new loans separately. Quite an interesting functionality. 
Ave CEO Santi Santi, or it's probably Santi Kulchov, told Decrypt, quote, we also have increased flash loan activity from arbitragers using flash loans to make their operations more efficient. And lately, Fura, was it Furu Combo? Furu Combo, got the hell? They're running out of names, I guess, which allows users to try flash loans without coding has taken off. DeFi Saver and Furu Combo both aim to allow more users to take advantage of DeFi networks built atop Ethereum by removing the need for technical coding skills. Oh, God forbid you should know what you're doing. Parts of open source smart contract code for Ethereum can be swapped out or connected together as a core feature of the protocol, technically termed composability. For example, Furu Combo provides smart contracts that allow users to transfer debt positions between DeFi protocols like Aave and Maker in a single transaction with a few clicks. Without composability, such a transfer would take multiple transactions, increasing gas cost and complexity for users. Aave has seen rapid development in 2020. It recently released testnet code in preparation for the rollout of decentralized governance dubbed Aveonomics. That reminds me of Richard Hart's Pumponomics. It also released credit delegation capabilities, which allows authorized users to take out loans using collateral provided by third-party liquidity providers. Last week, Aave grabbed the top spot on DeFi Pulse for amount locked in user liquidity with more than $1.5 billion. Digital assets locked in Aave now make up more than 18% of all the value locked in the DeFi market. Oh my God. Uh it just hurts, man. It just does. And even I, even Vitalik has a problem with this shit. Samuel Haig's writing for Cointelegraph sometime this morning. Ethereum co-founder has taken aim at coins designed uh, to incentivize yield farming, comparing their underlying economics to irresponsible monetary policies. I never really thought that I'd see a day when I agreed wholeheartedly with Vitalik, but in this particular case, I agree wholeheartedly with Vitalik. Vitalik Buterin, the co-founder of Ethereum, has again taken to Twitter to warn against naive businesses in the decentralized finance sector comparing the economics of yield farming tokens to the Federal Reserve's money printing. Yield farming, providing liquidity to earn interest in the form of tokens, has taken the crypto community by storm and sparked the DeFi boom. Yeah, you just call it ICO 2017 2.0. However, Buterin highlighted the aggressive supply inflation of many governance tokens, saying this puts downward pressure on the prices of coins that are getting printed nonstop to pay the liquidity providers. What does that sound like to you people? Quote, seriously, the sheer volume of coins that needs to be printed nonstop to pay liquidity providers in these 50, 100% a year yield farming regimes make major national central banks look like they are all run by Ron Paul. (laughs) Buterin is not alone in his assessment of these inflationary aspects of the DeFi sector. The Twitter user Larry PC likened yield farming to a giant Ponzi scheme. Of course it is. Not everyone is a skeptic, though, with investor David Larch responding, quote, If you see those printed coins as new cryptocurrencies like BTC or ETH, then yes, it's insane. But if you see them as equity and new crypto startup projects, that generate cash flows, it's not that crazy. <laughs> there will always be new startups with real potential in crypto, end quote. But Buter encountered that he sees no plausible path for many projects to generate cash flow, emphasizing the need for fee-generating applications to sustain a project over the longer term. Quote, so far, the only strategy toward generating long-term fees that I see is some kind of weird financial attack to grab liquidity and steal network effect from Uniswap, and I'm pessimistic on that strategy, end quote. Buterin's comments come in the light of decentralized exchange and yield farming platforms SushiSwap. Oh, God, I forgot about SushiSwap. Shows you the stupidity. (sighs) Anyway, the platform SushiSwap is exploding in popularity and has, over the weekend, owing to an aggressive governance token distribution strategy intended to incentivize, incentivize early users with 10 times the base rate of 100 sushi per block set to be paid out to liquidity providers. The yield farming frenzy has reignited concerns regarding Ethereum scaling capacity with the complex smart contract executions underpinning the transactions of many DeFi projects resulting in fees and triple figures to perform basic operations. 
the decentralized exchange DEX for ERC-20 tokens, Uniswap has emerged as the network's largest source of gas fees, driving roughly $7 million in fees just over the past month. And in a very clearly related note, Ethereum miners earn $500,000 in just one hour. Liam Frost is writing for Decrypt.co this morning about this very same shit. Miners on the Ethereum blockchain have set a new record by earning half a million dollars in transaction fees in one hour, according to crypto analytics platform Glassnode. Somehow I'm not following Glassnode, and I don't know why, but I'll rectify that. While record revenues are an undoubtedly welcome achievement for miners, the Ethereum community has been raising concerns over steep and constantly growing transaction fees for some time now. As Decrypt reported, both Ethereum supporters and rivals are acknowledging that fees are, well, getting out of hand, but there's no clear solution. Ethereum 2.0, quote, prediction, Ethereum gas fees Ruin DeFi for normal users until Ethereum 2.0 in one and a half or one to two years, end quote. Tweeted Shapeshift CEO Eric Voorhees. DeFi is a term for decentralized finance. Yes, we we understand that now. He added that this might push developers to start building on other compatible platforms. It's a fractal, people. We live in a fractal geometry formation. Ethereum co-founder Vitalik Buterin acknowledged that the issue with fees on Twitter today, but reiterated his stance that Ethereum users should be using Layer 2 technology to get around the issue. Weren't you shitting all over Lightning and Layer 2 when it came to Bitcoin there, Vitalik? Quote, to those replying with gas fees are too high, my answer is that, well, then more people should be accepting payments directly through ZK Sync, Loopring, or OMG. Seriously, scaling to 200 or 2,500 transactions per second for simple payments applications is here. We just need to use it, he said. In mid-July, Decrypt reported that Ethereum's networks used a new daily all-time high of 74 billion gas units in which transaction fees are measured. Since then, that figure has already grown to 79 billion gas by August the 31st, and it keeps rising, according to Etherscan. While there are limits to the total value of transaction fees that can be included in one block in the blockchain, Ethereum miners keep raising them. In June, they pushed up the limit from 10 million to 12.5 million where it currently stands. But expanding the capacity of the Ethereum blockchain uh, has an unwelcome side effect. It makes it bloat at a much faster rate. Oh my God. Glassnode noted that Ethereum's blockchain is now growing at a rate of 260 megabytes per day. The Ethereum blockchain is growing at a rate of 260 megabytes every single day. Quote, that's a 2x increase since the beginning of the year and 40% higher than Bitcoin's current blockchain growth rate, which is at an all-time high of 186 megabytes per day, the platform tweeted yesterday. Ethereum might be the place where everything is happening, but is it sustainable? Josie, the stupidity. No, because it's freaking stupid. This is going to end up in heartache. But it's also going to end up with people coming to the realization that this thing is never going to go away. You can wish it away. You can hope it goes away. But it's never going to go away because it plays into the hands of the very people that think they're escaping the fiat system because blockchain and, quote, crypto and, quote, decentralized and all that bullshit, all the buzzwords The buzzwords that are being used and are being consumed by people who do not understand what they actually are, are going to flock to Ethereum. This is a fact, okay? It's not not that I like it. It's not that I want it to happen because they're all going to get freaking wrecked, but it, it is going to happen. It's happening now. It's been happening since ETH began. And as we watch the DeFi craze grow all i can think of is the old reddit post when you know in 2017 2018 that were like i mortgaged my house and now i've lost everything and live under a bridge and my wife divorced me and the replies to posts like that were with suicide hotline numbers and it's sad it wasn't funny 
I mean, at first, I guess I got a chuckle out of it until I realized, oh my God, you shouldn't be laughing at shit like this. This dude just lost his ass, lost everything. I don't even want to look at Reddit forums in the next year. Well, I don't look at them now, so I guess I'm talking, blowing smoke out of my ass. But I, I don't want to see people tweeting Reddit threads about people jumping off of bridges because DeFi. That's what I don't want to see, and I'm, I'm very concerned that that's exactly what's going to happen. But there are other bridges to jump off of, so shall we run the numbers? All right, starting with legacy markets uh, futures because <clears throat> it's only 652. I'm, I'm a little ahead of the, the opening bell here. Dow futures look like they're set to open a tick lower. Uh, S&P NASDAQ and the uh, S&P mid mini are all set to open to the high side, but only by, we're talking fractions. Uh, NASDAQ futures is holding the top spot. Uh, it looks like it's up right now at 0.82. Let's get into, let's see what energy is doing. Oil is up a buck 17. Uh, Brent, nor, or not Brent, uh, West Texas Intermediate is going to cost you $43.11. Brent North Sea is going to cost you $45.8 for a barrel, and that is actually up 1.35. Natural gas continues to slide a little bit to the downside, almost down a point. On futures, you'll be paying $2.60 for 1,000 cubic feet of natural gas. So that's that. Let's talk about actual Bitcoin or rather, yeah, money. Uh, whoa, well, we've had a bump this morning. Uh, 11904 We're almost at 12000 Uh I don't know if it's a BART pattern or not. Let me look at it. Because uh, BART patterns start off, this could be a BART. <clears throat> so, you know. If you've been in the space for any length of time, expect BART action. If not, good. But 333,000 transactions have been made on the Bitcoin, exchange, uh, Bitcoin network in the last 24 hours. That's about 14,000 transactions on average per hour. 3 million BTC have been sent in the last 24 hours. My God, people. That's <clears throat> $36 billion have been traded hands over the last 24 hours across the Bitcoin network. That's 126,500 BTC on average per hour with an average transaction value of 9 BTC and a median transaction value of 0.05 BTC, which is about 650 bucks. That's about $300 over what I'm used to seeing like back in the day. Uh, block times are only a tick high, 10 minutes, 17 seconds. 0.8 BTC are being taken in fees on a per block basis. And a total of 112.6 BTC have been taken in fees overall in the last 24 hours. And oh my God, hash rate bumped 12.5% to the upside, landing at 131.12 exahashes per second. Holy smokes. Ethereum, 468 and 97 cents. Bcash, 279. Litecoin, 62 and a half. BSV, 198. And who gives a fuck? Ethereum Classic is 6.67. Dogecoin is holding it at 0.003. And at 51,700 transactions in the last 24 hours, the Doge Network is clobbering Ethereum Classic, Litecoin, and Bcash. Uh, Bcash is at 17,223. Nobody uses the damn chain. Uh, Clark Moody Dashboard. This is bitcoin.clarkmoody.com forward slash dashboard. He's looking at a price of 11,886. The money supply when he ran the numbers on whatever node he's running numbers on gives a return of 18,476,646.08 BTC. There are 19,500 transactions waiting to clear in whatever mempool Clark Moody is looking at. And that means that it's going to take about 18 blocks to clear that little thing up. Total capacity in the Lightning Network is 1,056.8. That gives us about $12.5 million of liquidity across 7,500 nodes, representing uh, 37,500 channels. Tor capacity is pretty much the same. 515 BTC are in that side of the Lightning Network. And that brings the percentage of the Tor capacity to 48.8%. 
and that is on 2,375 nodes. That's going to do it for vitals. All right, let's start part two of the morning roundup with Turner Wright. He's writing for Cointelegraph sometime this morning. Malaysian authorities arrest crypto miners for $600,000 of power theft. I said, oh, Lord Jesus, this is The a two fire. crypto mining operations stole almost $20,000 in electricity monthly. Oh, good Lord. According to a September 1 report from local news site, The Star, Malaysia's Energy Commission, the power utility firm Tanaga National Berhard, or the TNB, and local officials arrested individuals responsible for the theft of more than $600,000 in electricity used for crypto mining. The authorities raided two mining operations in the city of Iskander Puteri. Naslin Alim Sadiki, a regional director with the county's or the country's energy commission, said one of the crypto mining operations with 100 rigs have been operating nonstop for three years. The other set up with 48 rigs, chugged along mining crypto for two years. The owners paid only $7 to $14 a month for electricity. But together with the rig operators, siphoned almost $20,000 worth of power monthly. Quote, we found that illegal wiring was installed so that electricity was supplied directly and not through the TNB meter, Sadiki said. Bitcoin mining operations illegally obtain Obtaining power are an ongoing problem in Malaysia, though crypto mining and trading are allowed in the country. Under Section 37 of Malaysia's Electricity Supply Act, those who steal electricity in some place other than a domestic installation <clears throat> for more than one offense face a maximum penalty of $1.2 million or 10 years imprisonment. However, the Star reported the individuals responsible for the recent theft may face 10 years in jail or a maximum fine of $240,000 if found guilty. TNB engineer Mord Satari Mohammed said authorities had raided 90 similar installations in 2020, totaling 288 since 2018. Telegraph, Cointelegraph reported last year that TNB had lost more than $25 million in electrical costs as of June 2019, with one August raid taking down 33 operations that had stolen three quarters of a million dollars worth of electricity. Dude, everybody wants the corn, including NASA, although they're getting sucked into the dark side of the whole blockchain thing. NASA exploring blockchain technology that could help, oh, get this, power mission to Saturn's icy moon. <clears throat> daily Hodel staff writing it for the Daily Hodel sometime yesterday. The National Aeronautics and Space Administration, NASA, is looking at a blockchain solution that can help power the space agency's mission to Saturn's icy moon Titan. According to a NASA briefing, tech companies Orbit Logic and Fraunhofer USA Center for Experimental Software Engineering have put forward a blockchain-based protocol that enhances communications in inhospitable space environments dubbed as the, get this, Space Communication Reconstruction and Mapping with Blockchain Ledgering, or Scramble. Oh, so sad. By leveraging the distributed ledger technology, Scramble will store and propagate a ledger containing relevant data across network satellites. Oh my God, dude, kidding me? Uh, <clears throat> quote, the ledger contains an inventory of established communication paths based on spacecraft published connection state changes but more importantly, host events, states, objectives, and plans that constitute a common relevant operating picture or crop yield farming key to enabling a space network's coordination and overall awareness when complemented with orbit logics, autonomous planning system solution already developed and proven on high fidelity test beds. A scramble will allow the constellation as a whole to achieve greater overall system utility through agent-supported asset teaming strategies. Good, that's a mouthful, man. The underlying blockchain algorithm will be developed in such a way that it enables the spacecraft system to bypass interruptions in communications. Should one node encounter issues, the rest can swiftly and dynamically adapt and determine the most effective way to transmit a message. You don't need a ledger for this. I just... You... 
this is not a blockchain and you do not need a blockchain for this. I'm sorry, there are other solutions. Quote, the dynamic network adaptiveness of Scramble will naturally route around spacecraft communication disruptions and disconnections. The space-specific algorithms to be developed under this research topic will be lightweight and tailored toward efficient execution on the resource-constrained computing elements used on satellites. The network path routing optimizations performed will scale well as the constellation has grown dynamically adapting to the future addition of assets or late joiners end quote such dynamic adaptability is particularly important as nasa expands its quadcopter based mission to saturn's titan where inhospitable conditions pose challenges to data transmission the blockchain communication solution has uses for aerial vehicles quadcopter swarms where common operational awareness is needed throughout and communication is minimal due to environmental factors, end quote. Uh, I, I just, I don't, I don't know. I think that, I mean, the, okay, clearly being able to do rapid switching on the fly when communications go, da- go dark, yeah, I get that. That's, that's going to be important for, you know, bunches of quadcopters over there on Titan. If, Titan's a very interesting moon, by the way. In either event, you don't need blockchain for this. I think I'm getting the feeling that some of the people over there in research and development at NASA went up to their their people and said, we need money for blockchain and we're going to have this solution. And because the solution is a good idea and they're going to need it anyway, the fact that they added blockchain to it, just in my opinion, sealed the deal. But what do I know? Bitcoin expects to hit $14,000 on imminent U.S. dollar death cross. Yasha Gola is writing for Bitcoinist.com. Sometime yesterday, Bitcoin bulls should buckle up as the cryptocurrency prepares for a rally towards its 2019 high at near $14,000. The expectations of a $2,000 plus jump come as Bitcoin maintains an inverse correlation with the United States dollar since March 2020. Back then... The greenback spiked when the COVID-19 pandemic first struck the financial markets as investors and companies stockpiled cash to survive the health crisis. At the same time, Bitcoin crashed by more than 60%. But the bias turned upside down for both the assets after the Federal Reserve committed to purchasing bonds infinitely and slashed interest rates to near zero. The U.S. dollar index, which measures the greenback against a basket of foreign currencies, lost more than 10% of its value after the central bank's intervention. Bitcoin, on the other hand, surged by more than 200%. That somewhat confirmed that both the cryptocurrency and the greenback were moving in different directions against the Fed's monetary policy. DXY, the index, is now poised to register a fourth consecutive monthly drop on Monday. Observers expect the dollar to move lower After taking cues from Fed Chair Jerome Powell's speech last Thursday, he confirmed the U.S. Central Bank's approach to inflation above its 2% target. Investors interpreted the policy as a signal to lower interest rates for a longer time frame. That led them to seek safety in riskier assets, sending the United States stock and gold higher. As a wannabe safe haven asset, Bitcoin also inched higher. Quote, It seems clear to us that we are at the start of a multi-year period of dollar decline. From very elevated levels, said Societe General strategist Kit Jukes and Oliver Korber. The dollar's technicals repeated a similar bearish scenario with its weekly outlook suggesting the formation of a, quote, death cross, which is a technical chart pattern that forms after an asset's short-term moving average falls below its long-term moving average. Traders interpret the crossover as a sign of a significant sell-off ahead. The 50-period MA and 200-period MA on DXY's charts are hinting to form a death cross in the coming sessions. The likelihood of it happening has increased after DXY broke below its long-term ascending trend line support uh, support line. Sorry, The index is now targeting 88.71 as its primary downside target. Ew. A falling U.S. dollar is likely to end up making every quoted asset against it more expensive. That includes foreign currencies, stocks, commodities like gold, and even Bitcoin. Vinny Lingham, chief executive officer at CivicKey, presented a technically bullish picture for the cryptocurrency to explain its likelihood of hitting $14,000. <laughs> Vinny, we'll get to that in a sec. 
the venture capitalist said that BTC could overshoot above uh, $15,000, but would then retrace back to 14 for a few weeks at least. Quote, I doubt this sub 12K price holds for much longer and 10K represents strong report uh, support right now. Mr. Lingham has earlier supported the idea of lower interest rates and a weaker U.S. dollar boosting demand for Bitcoin. Uh, so Vinny Lingham uh, shorted Bitcoin years ago and started shitting all over it and, it, you know, in the news and saying it's bad and the price is never good. I think he sold at 300 or $100 or something. I can't remember what it was, but it was low and said that everybody should sell off all their stacks. And here we are with Vinny Lingham calling 14K. Jesus. Wales moved $235 million in Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Cripple. Here's where the crypto is heading. Daily Hodel staff writing for Daily Hodel sometime this morning. Crypto whales are surfacing in big numbers, moving hundreds of millions of dollars in Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Cripple, while BTC hovers around the $11,700 mark. In the last 24 hours, the crypto whale watching bot Whale Alerts has tracked several large transactions, totaling more than $235.6 million worth of BTC, ETH, and your beloved Cripple. The largest Bitcoin transaction sent 3,000 BTC worth $35.8 million from Binance to an unknown wallet. Crypto traders are also tracking four additional Bitcoin whale movements. One of 3,000 BTC from anonymous wallet to Binance, 1,000 from crypto custody Zappo to Binance, 2,500 BTC from OKX to an unknown wallet, and 1,000 BTC from Bitfinex to an unknown wallet. Ethereum served as the medium of exchange for the biggest transaction in the day, with an unknown wallet sending a whopping 175,000 ETH worth 74.9 million to another unknown wallet on Monday. Meanwhile, Coinbase received 89 million XRP, worth $25 million from an unknown wallet, Hybran, and Ripple's funding wallet received $37.5 million XRP, worth $10 million from a separate unknown wallet. Hello, Brad, again, Mr. Garlinghouse. Ripple owns more than half of the total supply of Ripple. In December of 2017, the startup pledged not to sell all of its tokens at once, locking up $55 billion XRP into a series of cryptographically secured escrow accounts. The company then set up a schedule to release 1 billion XRP each month, sell a portion to fund its operations and invest in startups and return the rest back to escrow. So whale song is all around us right now. Be prepared. We never know exactly what it means, but a U.S. regulator is going to shake up banking with federal charters for payment firms. September 1st for Coindesk, Sebastian Sinclair writes one of these bullet point news stories, which I still don't understand, but whatever. According to a Tuesday report by Politico, acting comptroller of currency Brian Brooks is spearheading the move that would empower payment firms to operate across state lines with a single set of consolidated rules. Hello, Jack Mallers. That's all I got to say about that one. The charter would simultaneously enable such firms to expand their financial service offerings and avoid having to apply for licensing in each state individually. Dude, this is a lot bigger news than you think. <clears throat> Brooks told Politico the OCC would be ready by Tuesday to begin processing applications for the charters, which could potentially include companies like PayPal and Coinbase. Brooks is a former executive of the United States cryptocurrency exchange Coinbase, having served as chief legal officer from September 2018 until his departure to the OCC, a position he has held for three months. I can supervise the payment activities of JP Morgan, but I can't supervise the payment activities of Square, Brooks said in Politico's report, referring to Twitter founder Jack Dorsey's payment platform. Quote, that seems really weird to me, end quote. The spokesperson from OCC told Coindesk all charter applications would be made public with a comment period, but said they were not yet aware of any specific applications for, from payment firms. The role of the OCC is to regulate, supervise, and provide a charter for national banks and federal savings associations operating in the United States. Brooks said the OCC was satisfied it doesn't need a new regulation or statute to move ahead with its decision. However, the news has sparked outrage among, among traditional banks, credit unions, and elsewhere, per Politico's report. Quote, a few months into his service as acting capacity, 
A bank regulator and former cryptocurrency lawyer pushes ahead with a legally dubious plan to give tech companies banking charters, tweeted Graham Steele, director of the Corporations and Society Initiative at Stanford Graduate School of Business. Of course, the dinosaur whales first. Where protect us, please. We don't want any competition. New York Department of Financial Services has previously won the backing of a judge in blocking the OCC's plan for the fintech charter in the state. Linda Lacewell, superintendent of the uh, uh, financial services in New York, retweeted Steele's comment and pointed out that OCC's appeal of the ruling is still uh, still to take place. United States believes the OCC is stepping outside its remit in offering the new charter, according to Margaret Liu, Deputy General Counsel at the Conference of, get, it, get this, State Bank Supervisors. Such issues haven't put off Brooks, who told Politico he saw the OCC's role as more of a regulator of services than entities. There is a lot here. I mean, there's a lot here. I, the ability for the OCC to come out and basically allow uh, their uh, regulatory platform to service people other than banks is a huge deal. This, in my opinion, would make it easier for people like Jack Mallers and Jack Dorsey to go literally go whole hog. Although Jack Dorsey doesn't have much have doesn't as much worry about it. He's got his deal worked out, but somebody smaller like Jack Mallers or people that are going to start working, you know, that wanted to start working with uh, Lightning, the Lightning Network, if this goes through and doesn't get stopped, then the floodgates just opened up. But we'll have to see because it's apparently still under review. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt. And then, oh, you know what? That's actually going to do it for the morning roundup. I'll see you in a sec. Oh, I hate to do this to Cointelegraph, but I got to call them out for this bullshit. And they are, in fact, bringing you your daily train wrecked. It's just sad that I have to do this, but Andrew Fenton uh, is piloting this steaming pile sometime yesterday for uh, for Cointelegraph's magazine. You ready? Let's get it done. Is Ethereum left and Bitcoin right? And I love their little picture. It shows two cars and one is blue and it's, uh, it's in the picture is turning to the left. But in reality, if you were actually looking in the direction of the driver, they would be going right. It's all blue. It's got the Ethereum and it's like a chick's riding in the, you know, the passenger seat and the dude's got like a ball cap on and freaking sunglasses. And then on the right-hand side of the picture is a great big red dually truck. You know, the kind of trucks that have two wheel or four wheels on the back axle and fender wells that go, you know, stick out and all that shit with highlighters on the roof and carrying the Bitcoin flag. And it's like just bright fire engine red with a couple of, with at least one bearded dude wearing some goggles. And are you kidding me with this shit? We're bringing, we're bringing in the very thing we were trying to leave behind, one of which was politics. So I'm not going to read the whole thing, A, because it's a stinking pile of garbage. But let's see where he's going with this. Uh, I'm going to read the first few paragraphs. Hacktivist Bitcoin developer Amir Taki took aim at Ethereum co-founder Vitalik Buterin on Twitter recently for essentially writing off smart contract investors uh, Nick Zabo as a right-wing crank. There's the political talk right there. Right wing, red, blue. It's all here, man. It's visual rhetoric. It's, it's spoken rhetoric. It's written rhetoric. God, you know, it's weird. Anyway, Taki wrote that this sort of attitude was typical of an Ethereum culture, which is about sparkling burner parties, privileged digital nomads, microdosing LSD, sex orgies, and social justice slash vague doing good, whatever that means. Pretty much everyone had the same initial thought, quote, why aren't I getting involved to these parties, end quote. But Taki's comments 
also highlighted the political division between Ethereum and Bitcoin. Here we go. Is it really as simple as Bitcoiners lean to the right and Ethereans lean to the left? You can make up your own mind about Nick Zabo's views thanks to his obsessively curated list of his tweets. Buterin characterizes Zabo's utterances as bad faith arguing and incul... I can't pronounce it. <laughs> Inculate yelling. He appears to regret naming a denomination of Ethereum after Zabo. But Taki, who is British-Iranian, took exception to white left... What? What this? Quote, white hyphen lefty Paul. End quote. Ethereans canceling Zabo because he doesn't fit their worldview and wrote in a tweet that they reminded him of white left fake socialists on an anti-racist crusade. Good God. It's, oh, it's neo-colonialist white savior attitude, he wrote. ETH is exactly this. All right. This type, I'm just, I'm just done with this bullshit. Okay, I'm not going to read anything else. And I don't care that Andrew Fenton seems to, maybe he's going to call out this bullshit, you know, himself. I don't know. But if you really wanted to call out the bullshit, you wouldn't even bring attention to it. And I'm doing the same thing right here. I guess maybe me and Andrew, maybe we're on the same page and why I'm even talking about this shit. But this has got to stop. Will it? Because I said so or I want it to? No. It's not going to stop. It's probably going to get a lot worse. Of course, politics are being dragged in here. Of course they are. But the damage that can be done is going to be, what, what I like about this is that the damage done is going to be mitigated by the fact that Bitcoin is a honey badger and it just literally doesn't give a shit. I don't care, honestly. I mean, it's kind of fun sometimes to give the Ethereum shit about being rainbow farting ponies and all that. But I mean, at the end of the day, they're just people. I mean, I don't think they're, I, I think, you know, shitting on Ethereum pretty much boils down to just running the numbers. That's all you really got to do. Whether it's on the tech side or how much Ethereum is actually out there, they don't know. I, it doesn't even look like they know how their own system works. It doesn't look like they know how much uh, Ethereum there is. Uh, keep in mind, block 650,000 on the Bitcoin network is coming up sometime in September. That's when an entire audit, as many people as we can get to audit the block, that particular block to find out if we are off on our calculate, our individual calculations. Uh, Samson Moe is going to be, uh, has tweeted out about that. So, and I have too, I think block six, 650,000 is a good place to do it. So if you, if you got a full node, I would uh, run the numbers on block 650,000 and tweet out the reply. I don't know if there's going to be a coordinated tweeting effort or a singular thread, but we should be flooding Twitter with exactly the number of Bitcoin from as many nodes, from as many node runners as complete as humanly possible. But see, that's where I kind of fall on the side. I mean, yeah, it's fun to make fun of them for being, yeah, like I said, rainbow farting ponies, but that's whoop-de-doo. It could be fascist anarchist for all I give a shit. It still doesn't make the difference that I don't have a car. If you recognize that, that's from the movie Ferris Bueller's Day Off. In either event, I don't have to worry about what their political leanings are. It's the tech. In this case, I really do care about the tech. I also care about, you know, buying a, you know, a farm like later on in life. But honestly, this is a tech issue. It's, and maybe, maybe their political leanings influence the tech. I don't, I don't know. And honestly, I don't give a shit, but this kind of toxic political crap, all it ever does anywhere is create division, uh, acidify the pool and make everything so toxic that you don't want to live there. And, you know, I don't know what's going to come out of this, but I've seen more and more of right wing versus left wing speak. It's dangerous. It's a very dangerous game to play. I'm not happy with Cointelegraph but, and Andrew Fenton. I'm not really all that happy with Amir Taki, even though I would be on the more conservative side. I'm a Bitcoiner. But that conservancy just comes from common sense, not that I drive great big dually trucks and run over Antifa activists in New York City streets. That's, I'll see all this, this rhetoric, all it does is poison the pool. And I'd like to go for a swim. But anyway, there's your smoldering pile. 
And here comes DerGG. That's at D-E-R-G-I-G-I or, you know, alias GG on Twitter. He's knocking it out of the park with a terrible, terrible joke. Uh, So he gets the honor of being your terrible joke corner for the day. Yesterday, I saw a swan having a game of chess with a bird with a big beak. I thought, two can play at that game. Get it? Toucan? Big, big beak? Toucan? Get it? Whatever. Thanks. Thanks, Gigi. Because that joke is esoteric and horrible as hell. All right. Let's wrap this son of a bitch up, man. Let's see. Oh, five minutes. Uh, yep. Kind of starting getting a, a little good at targeting one hour. I'm only five minutes over. That's that's not bad. That's not bad. I hope I brought you the news. If you can, please share, spread, thumbs up, throw my podcast again, you know, at somebody. I don't know. Tweet it out. Put it on Facebook. Whatever. I did. You know, anything helps. Really, anything helps, man. And I've gotten a lot of support lately, and I felt a lot of support at uh, the big BitBlock Boom Conference, which was, you know, it's almost, almost, you know, in in a way, it's like almost a thing that'll make a man cry because it's like, holy crap, I, I, I can't believe you guys, you know, are listening to me. It's one of those things, man. So I, I hope I'm doing right by you and not wasting your time by bringing you the daily news, what's going on all over the place. So again, if you can. You know, throw the throw my podcast at people. Okay, just throw it at them, see if they catch it. You know, and if they don't, you can just point at them and laugh or something like that. Go ha ha. Anyway, with all that said, I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and, and I'm your host David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day. <laughs>